salutations. Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we are recording live from Camp Crystal Lake discussing the 1980 classic horror slasher, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th was directed by Sean S. Cunningham and written by Victor Miller. Admittedly trying to capitalize on the success of John Carpenter's Halloween, Sean S. Cunningham forged forward with this film with nothing but the name in mind. But based on the cult embrace of this film, it would go on to inspire an entire franchise based around the eventual horror icon of Jason Voorhees. This film was suggested to us by friend of the show, Will Brown. He's always been very supportive of the show, and we appreciate him for that and for the suggestion. Thanks, Will. So... What did you guys think about Friday the 13th the first time you saw it? First, I want to say, Will, how you doing? I love you. <laughs> what up, Will? Um, I, I know I watched it when I was younger, but I think this is one of those movies I watched like once or twice, mm-hmm. and then that was it. Uh-huh. So watching it, I went in with fresh eyes, mm-hmm. and I'll be honest, I don't hate the movie. No. I, I do like it, but there's a lot of questions, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> It's just really, you know what I mean? There was just some things that I, I kind of felt were too long. Oh. or they, <laughs> <laughs> I know one scene in particular. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But uh, overall, I did enjoy it. It's a good slasher. Uh, it's a classic. I, yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, I do have problems with it. But I mean, of course, we'll get into it as uh, the show goes on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is that Nay and I didn't necessarily grow up with this one either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that it wasn't a staple. We did watch it. The funny thing is I was trying to go back in my memory was I think that the ending for this film was spoiled for us when we watched Scream. Scream. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I had the same thought. <laughs> that's the only thing. I think that we that's the first place we learned of Friday the 13th yeah. Yeah. before actually watching it. But it's I mean, it's definitely it's not a bad film by any means. Mm-hmm. No. It's a fun slasher. Slashers are just fun, period. They are. I, I love slashers. Doing this show, I talked about this on Not Your Final Girl, which uh, go listen to their show. They're amazing. You did great. And they're they're oh, well. all they're always good. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um I talked about how doing this show has kind of made me appreciate slashers more and really how much discover how much I enjoy them. Yeah. And a slasher with a whodunit element is mm. just beyond fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like there is something of that here. I just found it to be, <laughs> I just found it to be deeply unsatisfying. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet it shocked the shit oh, out of people. Oh, no, yeah. Well, for sure. In uh, 1980. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. Yeah. But it, it kind of, for me... I guess because I had watched it and I did remember it, it falls into one of those categories like we talked about with the ending overshadows the entire film. Yeah. Fair. So it's like, oh, yeah, the movie's good. But what do you really remember about the movie? Because there was someone in this movie I I completely (laughs) fucking forgot (laughs) was in this movie. And I was like, what the fuck? Is that fucking? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. No, this movie, it's a lot of fun if you take it for what it is. Right. The ending is both <laughs> deeply unsatisfying, yeah. but also super fucking cool. Yeah. So, I mean, there, for me, there's a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to appreciate there. Mm-hmm. But as much as I love a whodunit and this bitch loves a fucking mystery, okay? <laughs> there's one thing that I don't like. 
about the ending of a mystery. Right. And we talked a little bit about it. And I know what you did last summer. Yes. But I mean, we'll get into it again here. But that happens here. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, God damn it. Yeah. And, but, I, and I know what it is. Yeah. And it's probably why I was pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Well, I don't. Speaking of pissed off, I don't want to piss everyone off by telling this. You mentioned it in your intro. Mm-hmm. But this kind of made me. I have a lot of respect for this film because I feel like it gave birth to a new brand of slashers. For sure. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it was less reliance on suspense, more reliance on the kill count, the yeah. gore, mm-hmm. you know. But I kind of lost respect a little bit. A little. I mean, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't lose respect. I lost a little respect. That's right. different. <laughs> okay. But I did read in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, according to Victor Miller, the screenwriter of this film, he said that he remembers getting a call and the call basically was Halloween made a lot of money. Let's rip it off. Oh, I mean, wow. and they've never they've never been shy about that. No. And There's, I respect that. Yeah. So again, that's another weird contradiction where yeah. I'm not sure how to feel. <laughs> it's like, why'd y'all do that? But damn, thanks for At admitting, least you were admitting yeah. it. And there's two other films that they heavily borrowed from. Yes. And we can't really talk about mm-hmm. that until right. later. But yeah, I mean, I guess you have to respect that they the were honesty? like... honesty? <laughs> yeah. They like, know oh, we did that. No, it, it, is, <laughs> right. it is what it is. Yeah. Like, it is what it is. The other thing that I learned, I watched this documentary called Return to Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You're going to hear me reference this a lot. I'll just say that doc I watched. Yeah. Right. But Miller studied, he went to see Halloween and he studied it beat for beat. And he said that in the interview. <laughs> he was like, I literally, the, the things... <laughs> That you see in that film, I studied to create this film. Like, literally, if you watch Halloween (laughs) and you watch this film, there are not only, like, little scenelets and ideas, but full fucking set pieces that are pretty much from Halloween. Yeah. See, that kind of sucks because I was going to say, maybe he just, like, was really inspired. No. No. But no. Well, yes. Yes and no. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, so when I sat down to steal. (laughs) But again, I respect that honesty. And I did... uh, Sean Cunningham actually started as a producer. He produced um, The Last House on the Left with Wes Craven. Yeah. Mm. And then, just like Wes Craven was trying to distance himself from the like exploitation kind of a thing when he did uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Sean Cunningham made a few family films with Victor Miller because he thought that's where the market was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he decided to make Friday the 13th because he realized from Halloween and the money it made that that's where the money was. And he said straight up, he said, the most important thing about being a filmmaker is making money. And so, again, I respect the honesty. (laughs) I'm like, you're saying the quiet part loud, John. (laughs) Do you know that him and Wes Craven both uh, directed porn together? Yeah. I didn't know that. I don't know that you can direct it together. Well, I mean, not together. (laughs) I mean, you can. It's like there's got a story. There's got a surprise. (laughs) Surprise. With special guest director, Wes Craven. He was never the plumber. That's such a great idea. Now, before we neglect this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's take a dip. So we open on a title card that reads Camp Crystal Lake, 1958. Inside one of the cabins at the camp, Counselors sit together and sing a song about angels in heaven. (laughs) 
I think I looked it up because I, I my thing was I was like this has to be a popular song because they all know it very well. <laughs> yeah. Because their harmonies are kind of killing it. Was it was on point. Yeah. I think it was Michael who rowed the boat ashore or whatever yeah. the fuck. Yeah. I don't mean to demean that song <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> whatever the, the fuck. fuck. I did want to point out the opening shot of the clouds over the moon. Uh-huh. I will never turn down a shot of the clouds oh, over the moon. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but I do want to say, spoiler alert, there are no werewolves in this picture. God damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Until next time, I'm done. <laughs> we're done. Uh, you quit. <laughs> Outside, though, we're in the point of view of someone entering a cabin marked as the Fox cabin, I guess, on the door. Interesting. Starting mm. with a POV shot. Right. Huh. <laughs> it's like super original. I've never seen um, it before. <laughs> <laughs> but we get the iconic score and that weird sound. Yeah. Um, which I actually learned what the fuck that's supposed to be, mm-hmm. but, but I we, but can't, we can't talk about yeah. it. Yet. Um it's very interesting though. It is, it is, yeah. And if we're gonna just say very quickly, Harry Manfredini's score yes. is really good in it's this great. film. Oh yeah. It's a great score. But we enter the cabin, the music plays, Mm -hmm. we're looking at sleeping campers. So back in the first cabin, they're still singing Christian songs. And as they sing, Barry, played by Willie Adams, and Claudette, played by Deborah S. Hayes, stare and smile at each other. And I mean... I guess singing about milk and honey, it just really does it for them. Because as soon as they finish the song, Claudette hands off her guitar and the two leave to go kiss in the shadows of the cabin. But we get another shot of the moon outside and hear them continue to sing. But we come back in on Barry and Claudette going into an empty cabin. Once inside, they kiss and Claudette's like, does Marianne kiss as good as I do? I'm like, okay. And Barry's like, well, I wouldn't know. And then just leads her upstairs like... I think Barry's getting around. I, yeah. It sounds like it. So up there, they kiss more. And Claudette is like, you told me we were special. And Barry's like, I meant it. And I'm like, I want to know the tea on Barry and Claudette. Yeah, I kind of got that too. I was like, well, hold on. What's the, yeah, who is Marianne? Yeah. Like, who's this bitch? Like, I want to know everything. We're kind of diving into it. Yeah. <laughs> story here. I, can we stay in the 50s a little right. bit longer? Or? No, but... He's like, nah, baby, everything's fine yeah. as he's putting the blanket on the floor. And then they sit on the blanket and just keep making out. Mm-hmm. So in that point of view, again, we slowly enter the cabin and start climbing the stairs as we hear Claudette and Barry continue to like kiss and giggle from the top of the stairs. Now we see them making out and the floorboards squeak and Claudette brings the visitor us yeah to barry's attention <laughs> he <laughs> jumps off of claudette and is like <laughs> we wasn't doing nothing yeah. it's like we saw you yeah but claudette is sitting on the floor and trying to button her shirt back up barry's explanation is cut short as we stab him in the stomach well as we <laughs> well i mean we're you know it's a pov yeah. that's true i had two schools of thought there first of all i laughed very hard because he's like we weren't doing nothing because <laughs> yeah. he's like, dead immediately <laughs> But I was thinking, oh, it's you. What are you so happy about? <laughs> God damn it. I literally have that in my notes for later. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I, 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 I liked it. I was like, all yeah. right, let's get right into it. Yeah, we're not wasting any yeah, time. No. no, we dive right in again. And I think that that is kind of a good thing for a slasher. Oh, yeah. To kind of begin with some kind of inciting action that incident for sure so even if they have a section coming up that's a little whatever you're like Mm -hmm. we've already got a kill in the books people yeah yeah. so and it's it's you guys were over here doing some shit you weren't supposed to Uh uh-huh now you gotta die now you got got i don't know that equates but But it does apparently Apparently. slasher logic 
But Claudette screams and starts to run. And despite continuing to scream and throw empty boxes at us, she presumably just gets got and mm-hmm. we freeze frame on her screaming face. Then we dip to white, which was yeah. <laughs> it was it was a choice. <laughs> it was a choice. It was a choice. Um, but this is when we get the title card for Friday the 13th, and it zooms in until it shatters the screen of our TV. Yeah. I, <laughs> Which was another choice. This was very <laughs> kind of cartoony to me for some yeah. reason, kind of history of the world. <laughs> I, I, I was like, what? Like, really? What? Yeah. I, what are we doing? And I mean, my thing is that, first of all, I wonder if people in the 80s were like, no, no, don't. Oh, my screen. <laughs> but the funny thing is that this was the ad that Cunningham placed in Variety before he had a script or anything. Before he had any kind of a story at all. It was really? that, yeah, it was that logo crashing through glass and everyone's like, ooh, I want to, what is this? And he's like, oh. <laughs> Do you like it? Yeah. <laughs> but through that ad, he got financing for this film he's oh, like what do, what do y'all think it is yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you tell me no yeah, seriously right, tell me yeah. i have no fucking idea but the other thing that really stood out to me in this section it might have been like the tail end of claudette's murder mm-hmm. slash the glass crash mm-hmm. but the music sounded a lot like the opening of hitchcock's psycho I thought to myself that I was just dumb because I was like, I was like, no. this sounds really familiar. I, I was, was like, yeah. I was like, oh well. I was like, this is Bernard Herrmann's score. That uh, yes, for sure. Yeah, I was like, mm. and Psycho comes into play as influence later on yeah. as well. It so, definitely does. Um, but we'll talk. But I did learn from the credits that we have Tom Savini on SFX yeah. makeup. Yeah. And immediately I was like, here oh, we yeah. fucking go. Also, like you mentioned, Harry Manfredini is doing the score and he did the score for the greatest film of all time, House. Oh, my so, God. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we're also in for it as well. It's not the greatest film of all time. <laughs> but and also associate producer, Stephen Miner. Who also directed the greatest, the greatest film, film of all time, <laughs> House. No. <laughs> but we come back on a street with the card Friday the 13th the present which I love that we don't even get a year yeah no. so I was like this is happening right now yeah. right now yeah. 2021 because it looks like the yeah. 80s <laughs> we see Annie played by Robbie Morgan walking down the street and carrying a backpack of camping gear and it's like big as hell she's carrying yeah. it on her back yeah she stops to greet a nearby dog and asks him how far it is to Camp Crystal Lake, which I mean, I guess is telling us she's going to Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, yeah, but, but the dog was like, run, go to Rick. Crystal Lake. He's the harbinger, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. The harbarker. <laughs> he didn't look like he was just like, eh, no. get away. It's like, Jesus Christ. Uh, He's like, you're too happy. Mm-hmm. But she seems in a great mood as she leaves the dog and stops into a general store slash diner, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone inside stares at her like she has two heads when she asks how far to Camp Crystal Lake, which I would be scared. Uh But I mean, I I accept that I'm just a paranoid person, but this is like the happiest bitch on the planet. Mm -hmm. Well, it's that lady. What she says. A woman goes, Camp Blood, they're opening back up. (laughs) And she just smiles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, Camp Blood, you said. Camp Camp what now? I did read that 
they had gone through a few working titles to keep people from knowing this is what they were working on. Uh-huh. One of them was something with Camp Blood, but I feel like Camp Blood would have been a pretty decent title for this film. I think yeah. it was Long Night at Camp Blood. That's right. I don't like that. But <laughs> <laughs> we can just call it Camp Blood. And honestly, it fits in more with like the... The film. Yeah. yeah. And I guess it would be... That's more of an exploitation title, I think. Yeah. And that's what he's like, this is what we're trying to get away from. <laughs> we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. But Annie finally learns that she's about 20 miles away still. She asks if there's a bus that will take her there. And they're like, no. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Luckily, though, Enos, played by Rex Everhart, is a trucker that's headed out and he can take her about halfway. She cheerfully introduces herself to Enos and then they head out. Like I said, she's the happiest person alive. Yeah. Yeah. And if we're talking slasher films at this moment, she's our protagonist, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Once outside, Enos asks Annie if all the girls there are going to look as good as her. And I'd be like, actually, I'll walk. Yeah, Yeah. that's fine. Yeah. And they're quickly accosted by Ralph, played by Walt Gorney, who grabs Annie is like, you going to Camp Blood, ain't you? (laughs) I uh, look, Ralph. (laughs) (laughs) Ralph's methods may be a little over the top. Yeah. Mildly unorthodox. But now here's our harbinger. This is our yeah, two legged yeah. harbinger. Yeah. <laughs> that dog's like, hey, go warn her. I tried. <laughs> she wouldn't listen yeah. to me. But Enos cusses at Ralph and tells him to leave them alone. But as they walk away, Ralph calls after them that she's never going to come back. That place has a death curse on it. I love two things about this. <laughs> One, Ralph is like, you know, you go into Camp Blood, ain't you? And the dude goes, God damn it, Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd he get mad? Yeah. Because this is nothing new. Clearly, no. this is nothing new. But he tells him to leave, and so he gets on his bicycle. Yeah, hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay. As they approach the truck, Enos tells Annie that Ralph is just the prophet of doom before placing both hands on her ass to help her into the truck. Yeah. I thought that was fucking ridiculous. As if there wasn't another enough reason to probably not go with this dude. Yeah. yeah. Once in the truck, <laughs> Annie looks back at Ralph, who, get, <laughs> who gets on his bike, and we watch him right away for like five minutes. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the first of several scenes that go on too long. Yeah. I was like, is he going to get hit by a car? Uh, yeah. But no, like, nothing, no, nothing happened. He was breathing comfortably. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, there was a scene at the start wherever they dip down to show her walking in town. Yeah. That goes on for like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. That... It's like you just couldn't meet the runtime. No. But they, they do that a lot. Well, we'll we'll point him out. All right. Wasn't, didn't Sleepaway Camp do the same thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. And speaking mm. of Sleepaway Camp, yeah. Yeah. talking. Uh, granted, we said Friday the 13th did a lot from Halloween. Sleepaway yeah. Camp is basically a parody of this. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as they drive off, Enos tells Annie that all Ralph's talk is causing enough problems for her boss at Camp Crystal Lake. I do want to point out very quickly how we see the back and forth of this. Mm-hmm. You see the driver, then you see Annie, then you see Enos, then you see Annie, then you see... They weren't together when mm-hmm. they filmed this. And once I learned that, I was like, no, they're not. <laughs> You're right. They're not. Well, they never have that shot through the windshield where it's both of them. Yeah. No. It's always this weird back and forth. It's one of them and then the other one. Was there a reason why? Not that I read. She's like, he grabbed my yeah. ass. <laughs> that, that wasn't was in the was it, Yeah. Nope. No more. <laughs> but they ride in silence and Enos continues to look back and forth between Annie and the road. He finally asks if her boss, Steve Christie, told her anything. She tells him that she just knows she'll be cooking for about 50 kids and 10 staff. But Enos is like, I'm talking about what happened there. Mm. And Annie doesn't know anything. 
Finally and reluctantly, he tells her to quit and to quit now. She's incredulous and he tells her that Camp Crystal Lake is jinxed. She laughs and tells him that now he sounds like Ralph. And Enos is like, well, did Christy tell you about the two kids that were murdered there in 58? How about the boy drowning in 57? How about all the fires? And to this day, no one knows who did any of it. All the fires? I didn't see, yeah. <laughs> Why don't we start there? <laughs> the other thing about that, though, is that I appreciated her saying, you sound like Ralph. Well, yeah. Right. Because he's literally like, God damn it, Ralph. And then, no, by the way, don't, he was, yeah, don't go there. there. He was completely right. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go, his methods again. Right. But to me, after the reception I got in that diner and mm. then Ralph and then this, I'm like... Gonna quit. I mean, I would be scared at right. the very least. Mm-hmm. But Enos says that they were gonna open it back up in 62, but the water was bad. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that means either. He says that Christy has been there for a year trying to fix up the camp, but he's gonna end up just like his parents, crazy and broke. And I'm like, you're this dude just spilling all the fucking tea, but... <laughs> Why is he the town gossip? Yeah. Yeah. The conversation turns sour, though, as he reiterates that she quit and she says that she can't. He tells her she's a dumb kid with a head full of rocks, just like his nieces. And she laughs and tells him that at least she's not afraid of ghosts. And he looks at her like, all right, bitch. Yeah. Like, we'll see if you're singing that tune later. Okay? It's like, is you about to be one? <laughs> Enos finally pulls up right outside of a cemetery. And she was like, you have to drop me off yeah. right here. But Annie happily hops out and Enos tells her to take care of herself before driving away. I did see the sign of the cemetery says that they're in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And I read something on IMDb because the town that they uh, filmed in was in New Jersey. This camp is located there. Uh But I talked about it on the Halloween episode. Mm -hmm. They got the idea of a town called Haddonfield from Haddonfield, New Jersey. Yeah. But there's a town. It was like eight miles outside of Haddonfield called Voorhees. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're like we'll also borrow yeah. down in New Jersey. <laughs> that's part of the formula mm-hmm. when he was talking to her on the drive over there uh-huh i was he trying to warn her or was he kind of sound like he wasn't making fun of her he was i was like he was kind of all over the place yeah, yeah. I, was, I was like what is he doing i was like i don't know i don't know I how think to he's take trying what you're to saying. shame her and to not <laughs> I guess. He's like you're stupid she's like all right i won't go <laughs> jesus Drive me back to that diner. That bacon smelled good. (laughs) (laughs) But we cut to a car driving down the street. It is bumping some banjo music. And inside are Jack, (laughs) played by Kevin Bacon, which is that who you were talking about? You're like, what the fuck? Because I did the same thing. Nobody looks like Kevin Bacon. No. (laughs) That is a one of a kind That is right. But there's Ned, played by Mark Nelson, and Marcy, played by Janine Taylor. As Jack and Marcy kiss, Ned asks her if there's going to be any hot girls at Camp Crystal Lake besides her. I'm like, this is weird. (laughs) All it's doing is it's trying to show you which archetype these people are. Right, right. She's like, I'm the hot one. (laughs) That's it. You know it's true because he just said it. Yeah, man. But she asks if sex is all he ever thinks about, and they laugh and laugh. Doesn't that sound familiar? Yes. (laughs) Again, Annie Brackett on the phone with Paul. I mean... That's all you ever think about. It's part of the formula. To ape lines? (laughs) (laughs) They're like, we don't know what worked, so we're just just going to take all of it. But the banjo music intensifies as they continue to drive until they pass (laughs) the iconic sign that announces, Welcome to Camp Crystal Lake. That banjo is going hard (laughs) as fuck. Dude, it's going off. It reminded me, you remember whenever they sped back to Valentine Bluffs on My Bloody Valentine? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and it's really like, turn off that getaway music. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're chasing us. Uh. 
But as soon as they pull up, they're already put to work by Steve Christie, played by Peter Brower. And Steve Christie was named after Steve Miner, who, again, gave us the greatest film of all time, House. (laughs) He's chopping wood and cutoffs, boots, and a bandana tied around his neck. So I just wanted to shout out to the costume because... So he's the most comfortable human (laughs) being I've ever seen. He's ready for anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought. Yeah. I will say, just as like a technical thing, they and it doesn't get called out a lot in films, especially horror films, the technical side. Uh-huh. They did a really good edit in this portion because they have a wide shot of him chopping the wood. And when it swings down in a close up, it is the same swing. It's oh, a very, nice. very nice. fluid edit. But I was like, good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, guys. But like you said, he's chopping wood and he asks for their assistance in pulling up a stump and they make short work of it. They make their introductions, and Steve introduces Alice, played by Adrian King, who announces that Cabin B is ready. Steve only asks about the whereabouts of the other employees and is seemingly frantic about all the work that still needs to get done and basically just tells the new arrivals to Mm -hmm. get their asses to work. Mm -hmm. They're annoyed having been promised two weeks before. I I don't know if it's before they open or before they had to start working, but they're not happy. But Alice shows them where they can get changed to get to work. Because <laughs> <laughs> you will be working. Yes, yeah. right now. I did want to point out very quickly, according to that documentary I watched, this was filmed at a functioning Boy Scouts camp. Oh, wow. And they had to wait for the kids to go back to school for the summer, mm-hmm. after the summer, excuse me, so that they could film here. Uh-huh. But Sean Cunningham said that they had to make a contribution to the Boy Scouts of America to film here. It made, oh, wow. <laughs> it made me think of how they, like, on Candyman, when Bernard Rose said that they paid off the gang members at Cabrini Green. Yeah, well. <laughs> to well, film. You know, I mean, nothing's free. No. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think they're going to do with those Swiss Army knives, man? <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to Steve helping Alice make repairs to the roof of one of the cabins, and he's quickly distracted by her sketchbook and flips through it as she continues the work on her own. He notices a drawing of himself that she made last night and he keeps telling her how talented she is and finally how pretty she is. I read that Adrian King could actually draw and so they just added this in there. I was like, okay. Okay, I will say that makes a lot of sense because it never comes up again. It never comes up again. (laughs) Like you never see her just like drawing that night or... But I did read Adrian King said that it was almost like a fucking... Aaron Kruger situation where they were getting the scripts on the day. Oh, Jesus. So I imagine they're like, so we heard you like to draw. So we yeah. went ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I read that when the, when the women were auditioning, they didn't even have a script to audition from. What did they do? They had written a little piece of something that Marcy says later. Oh, and that was, they all read it. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. Sure is campy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Steve asks her if this just isn't her cup of tea and if she'll be leaving. She tells him that she may go back to California to straighten a few things out, but he asks her to give him another chance. Stay for a week and help get the place ready. And if she's not happy by Friday, he'll take her to the bus himself. She agrees to give it a week and Steve awkwardly strokes her hair before thanking her and walking away. Now, I've read that this is meant to imply a relation, a failed relationship mm-hmm. between Steve and Alice. Yeah. Again, it never comes up again. <laughs> no. And 
It's just weird. I don't know. It's executed it's so weird. strange your to me. Your hands are dirty. <laughs> Do not stroke my hair like, with your weird. dirty yeah. ass hands. Are you just chopping wood? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, it. like you said, it's establishing a history between them, but why establish it if you're not going to do anything with yeah. it? Like, I mean, this scene would have worked fine without the hair stroke. And instead of yep. saying, give me a, another chance. Give this another give chance. Give this another chance. Yeah. camp another chance. Then we're done. Yeah. But we cut to Alice running through the woods to Bill, played by Harry Crosby, who is Bing Crosby's son. Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? But <laughs> she asked him about the paint situation, and he asks her if the crew has arrived yet, and she tells him yes, except for Annie. He asks if she's going to last the whole summer, and she's like, I don't even know if I'm going to last the whole week. She runs off to report this paint situation to Steve, but we watch her from behind a tree, and she walks right past us. It's clear that we're back to the POV of mm. watching, uh -huh. but she was literally right next to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't feel the presence or. No, not at all. She probably could have felt the person breathing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was so close. But we cut to Steve in his Jeep and before driving away, he gives them all instructions on what to do and tells them to put Annie to work in the kitchen if she shows up. He says it's going to rain. So to hurry up and get their work done and then he's gone. I also want to point out, he says he'll be back after lunch. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Some I, people eat a late lunch. <laughs> no. I had some questions yeah. as to the time frame of things. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know when it gets dark yeah. in, in New Jersey, but... <laughs> Very early. Hmm. But Ned says that Steve forgot to mention that in town, they call this place Camp Blood. So it is a long night at yeah. Camp Blood. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there the title go. was fitting. But we cut to Brenda, played by Lori Bartram, setting up the archery range. Before she can get the target set up, Ned comes out of nowhere and shoots an arrow into it. Now, we just see the arrow going into the yeah. target. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what the fuck? But I read that Tom Savini shot that arrow. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he's got skills. Yeah. yeah. But she's pissed and then starts laughing when he hits on her with his best Humphrey Bogart impression. And they leave the range together laughing. Timely. Who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the kids like in 1980? Yes, yeah. Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart. Bogart. <laughs> but we cut to Annie slowly making her way down the street and trying to hitch a ride. Someone pulls over for her and she happily throws her bag in the back and hops in the passenger seat, telling the driver she's going to Camp Crystal Lake and they're off. Inside the car, she admits that she's always wanted to work with children. And when you've had a dream like this for as long as she has, you'll do anything to realize it. So I guess this is why she was like, I can't quit yeah. or yeah. whatever. I do hate that she's like, I hate when they call yeah. them kids. It makes me think of goats. I was like, well, I hope you're first. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, Goodbye, Annie. What are you talking about? <laughs> but we continue to not see the driver as they continue down the road. Soon, though, they pass a street and Annie realizes that that was the turnoff to get to Camp Crystal Lake. She tries to point this out to the driver, but the driver doesn't answer her. <laughs> she asks that they stop the car and it just starts going faster. She starts begging for them to stop. And when they don't, she does a fucking tuck and roll out of the <laughs> <Yeah>. car. And <laughs> leaving all her shit. Leaving yeah. all her shit. But at least you're, you know, leave yeah. your shit. Yeah, Fucking true. get the fuck out of there. Like, I'm alive, but I cannot cook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am ill-equipped. <laughs> But she lands on the side of the road and the Jeep just backs up. Mm -hmm. Annie gets to her feet and runs into the woods. And from our point of view as the driver, we get out of the car and go after her. 
She continues to fall as she tries to get away, and the score is working its ass off yeah. as oh, yeah. it seems that Annie has finally lost sight of the driver. What are the odds of getting in the car of the crazy, fucking, right? Yeah. She and it's another Jeep, too. That's weird. <laughs> or the same Jeep. We don't know. Yeah, so I don't better. know. Red herring. But <laughs> But she limps along until the driver finally appears in front of her. Of course, we don't see them. She falls, and when she stands back up and leans against the tree, I know you're asking, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? She's not, because the driver promptly just slits her throat. Yeah, and she was struck by a <laughs> like smooth criminal. She starts to bleed, leaned up against the tree, and then we cut to black. Now, from the shadow and from what we see, I believe I see a flannel shirt. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. I see, just want to point this out, <laughs> I'd say the size, stature, a man of average height and build. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That must be what it is then. Of course. Um, so <laughs> They wouldn't lie to us, Nick. <laughs> uh, no. Of course not. So back at Camp Crystal Lake, the crew is having a fantastic time at the lake. They're swimming, running, doing flips, making jokes. We watch from the trees, though, and we see a hand move branches out mm. of the way. To get a better look at them. So we're like, oh, we're really in this bitch. Like, this is happening for real. It did appear to me that the hand was wearing a wedding ring. All right. Ah, I didn't even notice. All right. And so I was like, all right. So I got my like slasher bingo yeah. card trying to figure out what the fuck's going <laughs> who's on. Who's married? Yeah, who's married? <laughs> Someone to talk about your wife. Right. <laughs> but it seems like Brenda sees the person, but then mm-hmm. she's like, oh, it must be nothing. It's never nothing, Brenda. No. Never. Um, but when the crew finally decides it's time to get back to work, Ned starts flailing and calling for help in the water. Everyone springs into action, diving into the water, grabbing life preservers and even launching a boat out. They finally pull <laughs> Ned out of the water and get him up onto the dock. And Brenda starts to perform CPR on him. And of course, it was all a ruse. He grabs her and everyone is pissed. And we watch Ned from the trees as he's like, I'm oh, sorry, guys. Yeah. When they're pulling him out of the water, <laughs> she throws that fucking donut at him, but mm-hmm. she hits him in the head. <laughs> what did you do that? They were right there already. You didn't need to throw. That you're, you're lucky. This is just a trial run. Yeah. And that's not a dying kid. <laughs> I did. My thing is, you don't know by now that Ned's got jokes. Yeah. yeah. Like he's the fucking goofy one of the group. Uh huh. He just fucking tried to hit on Brenda. Yeah. 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 So I'm like, I don't know. And also, this is this is borderline assault. Yeah. No, it's assault. It is assault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the next scene, we're in Alice's cabin as she's getting her clothes after a shower. She's wearing a robe and she's startled by a snake on the floor. Still wearing the robe, she opens the door and calls out for Bill, who comes running, equipped with a big-ass knife. Yeah. A machete. A big-ass knife. (laughs) (laughs) The rest of the crew runs in, and it's chaos. They effectively wreck the cabin, trying to get the snake to come out from under Alice's bed. When it does, Bill chops it into pieces, and everyone is shook. Marcy says that at least she'll know what they'll be having for dinner tonight. And everyone laughs, but Bill does not look happy. In all fairness, when she says, I know what we'll be having for dinner, everyone's like, oh, yeah. like, too soon, Marcy. <laughs> that snake is barely dead. I do want to say that that was the real snake that they murdered in this scene. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that this scene was only added because some of the people that worked on the film stayed in the cabins. Right. And Tom Savini was one of them. And he found a snake in his cabin. And I guess they were like, what if the kids found a snake in the... I don't yeah, know. They just fucking uh, added Why are you scene. just fucking ad-libbing uh, a whole film? It's, uh, Who knows? <laughs> it's 
totally unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't need to do the room like that. No. No, they fucking yeah. went shop. They I was like, is, are we watching the Vault of Horror again? <laughs> and then dude, when he was outside, when they showed him, he was like swinging that machete like he was in the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, they're weeds. He's <laughs> like <laughs> making his way through Vietnam. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I did have a couple of things. No. <laughs> That's where Steve Miner got the idea. But a couple of things about this scene. Number one, while they're looking for the snake, I, I am glad that you said that it was added later because all their dialogue feels improv Yeah. Absolutely. They're like a snake, huh? Yes, and. Okay, then we got to find the snake. Yes, <laughs> yes and. <laughs> it's a lot. But... You're a baker. It's like, oh, oh shit. Uh, I think I heard grocery store. Right. <laughs> But the other thing is that, you know, you you hear obviously about Cannibal Holocaust and the animals that they yeah. killed mm-hmm. filming that. You never hear about this. No. Ever. Because I'm I'm watching it and I was like, that looked very real. real. I was so, like, man, yeah. they're effects, but I yeah, yeah. it's they, not. They weren't effects. Well, what was that the point? Snake. In, yeah. What was what was the need in having to kill that snake? Um I'll get back to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try to figure that out. Until next time. Because, <laughs> because Tom Savini found a snake in his cabin. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, that's all, all right, of that's this. Funny. Yeah, sure. I mean, we love Tom Savini, but Tom. Yeah, yeah Tom. Tommy. No. <laughs> but we cut to outside. Marcy and Brenda walking together, trying to figure out what to make for dinner, because I guess they don't actually want the snake. But a cop pulls up on a motorcycle. Ned is being very culturally insensitive, wearing a headdress and his underwear. I'm like, well, what the fuck is this dude doing? Yeah. I just feel like Ned's antics have not aged well no, at all. At, no. no, not one piece of it. <laughs> Pretty much anything he does, you're like, ooh, cringe. <laughs> Sexual assault, cultural appropriation. <laughs> it's pretty fucked up. What's next, Ned? What's next? I hope he doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to think <laughs> of something. We were all leaned in. Yeah. Don't <laughs> lean in. <laughs> That's what you learned. I will let you down. <laughs> But this is Officer Dorf, played by Ron Milkey, who immediately demands to know who they are. He kind of looks like a mall cop. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, he kind of. I mean, it looks like a like he's in a costume. Yeah, yeah I was going to say <laughs> the budget would not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when they say they're counselors, he asks if Steve Christie hired them and if he's paying them. Jack comes out to admire the bike and Officer Dorf immediately accuses them all of smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> He finally explains that he's here looking for the town crazy Ralph. But I'm like, why are you being so hostile toward yeah. them if you know the dude that you're looking? It was just weird. I don't well, know. Well, mm-hmm. but I mean, 70s, 80s, cops hate kids. I get that. I but also, like, this is bad interrogation because when you be like, who hired you? Not did Steve Christie hire you? Yeah. Just be like, yeah. Uh-huh. Never said he was good at yeah. his job. <laughs> he just got the uniform this morning, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> But when Ned tries to make a joke, he tells Ned to shut up. And Ned's like, you got a boss. (laughs) (laughs) They ask if Ralph is dangerous. And he tells them when Ralph is drinking, he's trouble and he ends up in jail. Officer Dorf gets called on his radio and fucking Jack picks it up to answer it. Yeah. But then the officer takes it from him. I'm like, these kids have fucking balls. (laughs) They do. The voice on the radio says the chief wants him back now. And Dorf tells them to keep their noses clean, puts his shades back on, and he is off after a very awkward U turn. Yeah. <laughs> did you Why get the bike this that? morning, yeah. too? <laughs> there is, there's a point I, I wrote in my notes. I can't remember exactly when it happens, but they straight up laugh in his face. Yeah. <laughs> to, to your point about them just being ballsy. Yeah. I would never do any of this shit, no, man. No. No. 
But in the kitchen, Alice is putting things away. And when she opens the pantry, guess who's in there? Who? It's fucking Ralph. <laughs> I laughed because I was like, he's actually yeah. here. I didn't think, I thought, <laughs> I swear I didn't think it was actually going to show he's up. he's in the pantry. Yeah. Why is he in the pantry? Well, he had to hide. Yeah. Well, he heard the cop. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's Dorf. Mm-hmm. But she screams and backs away, but he doesn't miss a beat. He tells her that he is a messenger from God and that they're doomed if they stay here. He actually uses the word. Yeah. Doomed. Doomed, (laughs) Ned and Marcy run into the room and Ralph keeps going. This place is cursed. It's got a death curse. He tells them to all go before casually walking out the front door and then running. (laughs) (laughs) Alice steps outside to watch him and Ralph keeps up with his doomed talk, gets on his trusty ass bike and rides away. And again, we watch him ride away. No. <laughs> he, he did. He's like, later, minutes. bitches. Yeah. And, he, and we're just, huh. <laughs> the thing about, I, I don't know, the gravity of what he's saying juxtaposed with him hopping on that bike <laughs> is the funniest goddamn yeah. thing. <laughs> ever i also um no i don't i'm not i'm not trying to spoil any part of this movie but we never see ralph again no, no. <laughs> and he went in the other direction that the cop did because the cop You're had right. a bus to you <laughs> well, he doesn't want to roll into off down a trail yeah. like, this, <laughs> is, this is an off-road bike <laughs> <laughs> but later they all joke around as they make food alice remarks that it's gloomy in there and when she tries to turn the light on it won't she says that either the bulb or the electricity is fucked up i said fucked up she didn't but jack pipes up to say that steve taught him how to work the generator since the town's electricity is bad and jack was one of the new arrivals so i don't know when he was taught this but because he literally left yeah let me touch alice's face uh Uh, you fuckers get to work and we out out this bit by the way here's a crash course on the generator (laughs) i never saw that scene jack come here real quick you go you can handle a generator (laughs) But he takes Brenda and Bill out to a shed where he starts up the generator. The lights come on, and with the job done, they head back outside. Later on, Jack and Marcy are dancing and kissing next to the lake. We pan way out to see that Ned is watching them, and he looks upset. Yeah. This made no sense to me. No. I mean, I feel like we're trying like this unrequited love situation, but also he seems very into Brenda, and also, yeah. also... He's like whistling and fine in 30 yeah. seconds. <laughs> so is that's that was my thing. I was like, okay, so number one, the thing with Brenda, of course. Yeah. He came here with Jack and Marcy. Yes. So he knows that they're an item. Yeah. Well, because even in the car, he's like, are there going to be hot girls like you? Yeah. So I feel like they were like starting this thing maybe. And then it, they just were but like, then no, he that's saw, okay. But then he saw Brenda and he's like, it's a hot girl like you. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was fine. But is this an attempt at another red herring? Oh, yeah, you're probably right. I didn't, but how, but I, no, because it doesn't make sense with Ned was already the killings at the camp, we've seen. Yeah. yeah. I took it as that he was just like, he was looking at him and he's like, fuck, I wish I had somebody to be with. Oh, you I felt I mean? like he liked then, Marcy. Well, let me him, whistle. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> oh, but him as he walks <laughs> away, he's just kind of like, you know, acting like, oh, that's all right. You yeah. know, whatever. He just kind of wandered away. I, was I like, feel yeah, like that gives him a little more depth. Yeah. He's like, you're all right, Ned. The, they'll see yeah. you got your fucking headdress and shit man yeah. you'll be uh, fine you're fucking you're yeah. you're yeah. a racist you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't <laughs> who doesn't want that <laughs> but like we said he kind of just whistles and walks away when he passes one of the cabins he sees someone going inside he calls out to them but they don't answer so he approaches the cabin and goes inside still calling after the person he saw 
It sure looked like the frame of an average man, right? It did. It did. Interesting. All right. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we cut to Jack and Marcy walking down the same path that Ned had. They stopped to kiss and Marcy asked Jack what's going on with Ned because he keeps acting like a jerk. Jack calls out to Ned, but they're quickly distracted by lightning and thunder. Which it looked fine out here yeah. a minute ago, but and the lightning did not look like lightning. No, no. It it like, like someone blasted a, a flashlight flash. in his face. <laughs> <laughs> it's goddamn Mika. <laughs> but Jack looks thrilled as he remarks that it's going to storm. But Marcy tells him that she's been afraid of storms since she was a kid, and this is what they all read to audition. Oh, okay. She tells him that she's had a dream five or six times that she's in a storm and the rain is loud, like pebbles hitting the ground. She tries to cover her ears, but it just gets louder and louder until finally the rain turns to blood and the blood washes away in little rivers and then the sound stops. I'm sure like that has nothing to do with right. anything. Not in a slasher film. No. no. Uh-uh. <laughs> blood? What the fuck? Lady, yeah. what are you talking about? First of all, but- calm down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have you talked to anybody about this dream? <laughs> But Jack reassures her that it's just a dream, but this is no dream, and they better get inside before they get soaked. This is no dream. (laughs) (laughs) This is really happening. What does he tell her? The wind did a 180 and turned into a... Was, was like, like, <laughs> like a skateboard trick? <laughs> the <laughs> fuck? The wind did an ollie. Yeah. yeah. Like a kick like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you saying? But I've never heard my weatherman no. say some <laughs> shit like that. The wind went down the half pipe. And yeah. <laughs> But it's it's night. It's dark now. Yeah. And we see and hear the storm as it pours over the lake. Jack and Marcy run into a random cabin and start making out. So, so this is what I was like. What time is it? Steve, where I are you? Like, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> you said noon. Mm-hmm. It, it it's looks fucking late like now. 8 p.m. Yeah. That's why There's I was an like, eclipse that night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. fair enough. It's, fair enough. it's a 1 p.m. Is that right? <laughs> 1 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's another thing with the red herrings because you're like, well, he said he'd be back. Yeah, yeah now Maybe Steve's he unaccounted is for. Back, uh, yeah. And he's fucking walking into cabins right. mysteriously. Right. Right. <laughs> the, <laughs> the other thing is I was wondering if they were trying to set up Bill as a potential killer because after he murders that snake... He has a look in his eye that's yeah, like, oh, everybody, yeah. maybe I should try this on people Yeah, everybody kind of moved on, but Bill, he looked pretty affected. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can either take that as he's a nice guy and they just made him kill a snake and yeah. he didn't want to do that. Or, yeah, he's like, that felt good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, I think in real life, I think Tom Savini killed the snake. Tom. Which is good because they're not like, and your role is to kill this snake. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. That's a rubber snake, right? right. Whatever helps you, yeah. man. <laughs> Just get into character. Yeah. <laughs> but back to Jack and Marcy. They get into bed and start making out and undressing. We cut to another cabin and Alice is looking outside worried about Jack and Marcy getting drenched and Bill's like, if they are where I think they yeah. are, they're going to be fine. <laughs> He sits with Brenda on the couch playing guitar as Alice tends to the fire in the fireplace. Brenda gets up and decides that they're going to play Monopoly, but like strip Monopoly. Yeah. As she sets up the board, she sends Alice to check if Marcy left any of her weed behind. So I guess the officer was correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, first of all, I think Bill was really playing the guitar. Well, yeah, it looked he, like it. He's Bing Crosby's son. I think Bing oh, taught him a thing yeah. or two. You know? But we cut to the other cabin. (laughs) There's a lot of cabin (laughs) talk happening. But Jack and Marcy are showing each other the flesh. Okay, They are. And 
the thunder ain't the only thing that's clapping. I'll just put it like that. The them scene, cheeks. <laughs> them cheeks, son. The fucking, this scene goes on for so long. It's, we'll just call it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I I can deal with it. Uh-huh. We didn't need the finish. No, he, you know, yeah. there was no. <laughs> the finish. Well, <laughs> he didn't. No. Well, the thing was, is I, I was, was like checking my watch. Or I'm like, God I, damn, we're still fucking. I was thinking about in Halloween whenever Bob and Linda have sex. Right. And they're getting at it, but you see Michael's shadow walk by. Uh-huh. So there's a purpose for it. Right. And then it comes back and they're just like, you know, uh-huh. kind of there. But and I, in all fairness, I think they do finish as well, but not as dramatically as Kevin. No, Bacon. this was. I was like, did he really? Yeah, I was like, are they? Oh, was that his? <laughs> no, butt? dude, he directs porn. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. And yeah, they grabbed his butt too. I was like, I don't know if we need yeah. that. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. But I will say, for the reputation of eighty slashers, it's kind of surprising that this is the first showing of the flesh that we see in the film. I mean, yeah, yeah I guess no, that's yeah. true. In but... the 50s, they were like making out like it was at the sock hop. And then <laughs> yeah. here they're like, take my breath away and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we do pan up to see that Ned is in the bunk above them and his throat is slit and he's dead with his eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was a point, but like, not, w- not like you said, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. didn't need to, <laughs> to see him yeah. that JP, you had said before the show... If they would have shown them start. Yeah. If we would have just got them starting so that, you know, there is no, oh, they're just in there fooling around. No, they're getting busy. Oh, no, yeah. they clap and that, Yeah. <laughs> thank you. And then just come up with the camera. Yeah. Dude's up there dead. End of scene. Yeah. And you, then you can come back like a, go back to Monopoly. Yeah. And then come back to them laying in bed together. Right. Done. No, nah, they did, were. Yeah. No, uh, or let's no. Let's show this dude biking for fifty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> instead, <laughs> like these, I don't understand their pacing. The pacing what? is all wrong here. What? Cunningham is like, this is my wheelhouse. Okay, yeah. now Kevin. He's like this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna say they call me Sean Cunningham, but <laughs> I apologize. Is that might have been the, the name that he used? I, I was just, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize to everyone for that. What would have made this scene better (laughs) if they would have had spliced in some scenes of Ralph riding away on his bike, (laughs) just back and forth, every pump and then the bike. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) What damn, it went on the same length of time. Why? Well, we're watching somebody ride something for an extended period of time. I feel like their thing is that they just need to meet the runtime. Right. Yeah. So they're like, look, any any scene we can right. stretch out. Biking, <laughs> fucking. Biking, yeah, yeah. Whatever. It's fine. Any it's fine. verb. <laughs> <laughs> it's just when I was watching this, I was like, we're going to be laughing about it. Like, I knew yeah. we were going to laugh at it. Well, I was just glad that, and obviously when we watched this as kids, this scene was forwarded. Yeah. Right. But I was just glad that we didn't watch this with our parents because we've. <laughs> <laughs> We've been watching Fear Street with our parents. Right. Yeah. And there are some scenes there that we're like, God damn. Yeah. <laughs> we're all grown ass adults. Yeah. And we're like, hey. holy shit. It's like when we went and we, we made the mistake of going with our parents, the three of us and them to see oh, Midsummer. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Midsummer. And yeah. We're like, oh, well, okay, we're just yeah. in this shit. Like, oh, all right. Uh, okay. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> There's so, nothing we can do about it now. They changed the butter on the popcorn? Or? Yeah. <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> These seats are really comfortable. Yeah. You can recline. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> 
But we cut back to the other cabin and they start establishing the rules of their strip monopoly game. And then they start to play. The rules make no fucking sense because they take off a piece of clothing every time they have to pay rent. Now, right. Right. I don't know if you played Monopoly, <laughs> but they're going to be skeletons by the end of this fucking thing. <laughs> but I do want to uh, give Brenda a kudos because the shoe is the primo Monopoly piece. <laughs> You've always been the shoe. I've always been the shoe. It, that's really funny that they would add stripping to mm. Monopoly. Like, I can't think of anything worse besides like fucking risk. That they <laughs> like, we're going to be fully closed for a very yeah. long time. But we cut back to the, the flesh cabin and... Marcy interrupts the afterglow by leaving to go pee. Jack tells her to hurry back because it's cold in here now. And it didn't dawn on me until she comes back with her raincoat that she has to leave to pee. Oh, yeah. 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 I was like, well, go pee. What the fuck? Oh, oh, that's right. Camping. That's why I don't go fucking camping. No. <laughs> but back in the other cabin, they're playing their Monopoly and the stripping begins when Bill lands on Alice's property and has to give up a boot. Back in the flesh cabin, Jack lays in the bed <laughs> and starts to smoke when a drop of blood drips onto his forehead. And then Ned was like, under my dead body, you're going to be banging Marcy. <laughs> but <laughs> the other thing is that is that I think I saw an IMDb. Someone said that was supposed to be like the metaphor for Marcy's nightmare of the blood raining on Jack, right. which is interesting. It is. Oh, all right. But he wipes it away, and as he inspects, you know, the blood that he just wiped off, he looks up, and a hand reaches out from under the bed and grabs Jack by the forehead. Logistically, I'm mm -hmm. not sure how this was happening. I don't know. I, I'm trying to... <laughs> I, I literally looked up to picture it in my head, and I got nothing. Uh, Can't nope. do it. No. But the music goes crazy, and we watch as the blade of a knife comes up through Jack's chest. The knife twists around, and blood pours out. I read, and T, I know you said that there were some conflicting reports about this scene. Yeah. I read that the blood, obviously, this is not Kevin Bacon's body. Yeah. <laughs> um, the blood wasn't coming out the way that Tom Savini wanted it to. Mm -hmm. So he's underneath the bed and the tube of that the blood comes out of, he's blowing the tube to make the air come, the <laughs> blood come out. But that's why the bubbles come out with it because uh, he's blowing air. Right. But I mean, it, I feel like it works. Yeah, it works really well. And the funny thing is when I was a kid, I did not realize how different the colors were between yeah. Kevin Bacon's head and his body. Yeah. But the body is obviously a fake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I read, like you had said about the conflicting stories, one person had said that it was Tom Savini's assistant that was blowing the mm. thing. But the writer of the film said it was Tom Savini. So I'm just going to believe it was Tom Savini. It was yeah. Tom Savini. Tom is fucking killing snakes. Yeah. He's blowing blood. This He's working <laughs> blowing overtime. Blowing blood. Blowing blood. But the one gross detail is that the writer shared that it was sheep's blood. Ew. And so Tom Savini is a, like a fucking vampire <laughs> doing this shit. But he, because he, the way that it was is that he's under the bed with Kevin Bacon. Right. Because Kevin Bacon's in a very uncomfortable position on his knees. Oh, yeah. With his head through the pillow and his neck arched back. Yeah. And so Tom Savini is just under there blowing a pump of blood. <laughs> <laughs> but they said he came out from under the bed just covered in blood. And they're well, like, oh my I, God. I, fucking bet. I yeah. bet. So outside, we see Marcy run into, and okay. <laughs> Again, I've never been camping, but I'm going to call this the bathroom cabin. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say that this was the only thing that the production built on the campsite. All right. Oh, they were probably just pooping outside. Yeah, right? probably. Ugh. So. No, thank you. No. But 
we watch through the window as she goes inside and goes into one of the stalls. We get a shot of the bottom of the stalls and we go past Marcy's feet. Inside the stall, she reads and mocks the writing on the wall, but is startled when she hears the door open. She calls out to Jack and leaves the stall, but Jack isn't there. Marcy goes to the mirror and does her best Catherine Hepburn impression again. <laughs> I'm glad that these yeah. impressions are so with the times, man. Yeah. <laughs> the golden age of Hollywood. <laughs> but she gets startled by another sound. She tries to wash her hands, but has to fiddle with the sink to get it to work. And there are more sounds that convince her that it's Ned playing a prank on her. And Ned's the type of ass to do something right. like that. So. Bud. Ned's dead, baby. Because yeah. <laughs> in other movies, you're like, you know damn well that's not Johnny. Yeah. But yeah. here it's like, yeah, it, I mean, probably it, is. it could fucking be Ned's stupid ass. Although I do want to go back to her impression. Now, the, <laughs> the thing about it is that if you think about it, maybe she should have ended up with Ned. They both like the same films. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but still in her underwear, she creeps over to the shadows and tries to catch whoever, Ned, whoever, messing with her but when she opens the first one no one's in there she opens another one and as she muses that it was just her imagination we see the shadow behind her of an axe being raised up mm -hmm. she turns and screams and the axe knocks against the overhead light which rocks back and forth and when we see marcy again that axe is embedded in her face we get another shot of the swinging light. I, I just want to say I loved that swinging light oh, situation. Yeah. I thought yes. that was cool as fuck. I wrote it down. Yeah. And the axe in her face looked really oh, good. Oh, hell yeah. The thing about that is I saw in that documentary, Tom Savini, when he saw it in the script, he's like, all mm -hmm. right, so uh, what do you guys want? Fake head, real axe, real axe, fake head. And they were like, <laughs> you can do both. I'm fucking well, Tom yeah. Savini. Yeah. He's like, did you see Sex my machine. resume? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sex machine. But so they went with uh, real face, fake axe, and the axe was actually made out of styrofoam oh, oh wow you can't even tell. tell no he's the man yeah truly that's one thing that really should be called out in this film is that even though now looking back like we said you can tell the color difference mm -hmm. of the body and the head and kevin bacon's thing yeah and the throat whenever annie oh yeah, yeah. they still look really good though. no they it look does great like genuinely and it's 1980 yeah just crazy. I did read on Victor Miller's website. It was he, did, he had a frequently asked questions thing, and he was talking about this movie. Uh -huh. But he said that the deaths were inspired by fears that he had during his childhood, and Damn. so yeah. Are you okay, man? <laughs> <laughs> he said that he always checked under his bed before he went to bed, which is where For that sure. one came from with Jack. But I laughed out loud. Because in describing Marcy's death, he said, quote, further, I was always afraid of being smashed in the face. <laughs> Same. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Same, I think we all are. <laughs> <laughs> always. But back in the Monopoly cabin, the game is getting heated. Alice is fully clothed. Brenda is in her underwear and Bill is shirtless. When it's time for Alice to take something off, the door flies open. Bill runs to close it, but Brenda realizes that she may have left the windows open in her cabin. She grabs her clothes, puts on her raincoat, and says they'll have to finish the game another night before dashing out into the rain. Now, <laughs> the fact that they're, you know, half naked or mm -hmm. Brenda's almost completely naked, and when it's Alice's turn to start, no. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm like, okay, we're really doing the whole Lori Strode thing. Exactly. Yeah. But by that same token, she's boning the fucking owner. That's, and that, but that's the thing, the same thing with uh, Lori Strode in Halloween. She's smoking pot with Annie. Right. You yeah. know, so she isn't all whatever. I just yeah. think people kind of saw both of these and they're like, they t- took the wrong ideas from them. Right. You can't get naked. You can't have sex. You can't. But yeah. it's like, no, but they are. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because that was the first thing I thought yeah. of. Yeah, Alice like, ain't taking yeah. nothing off. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> the door just swings open. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bitch, keep your clothes on. Can't blood ghosts are like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not on my watch. <laughs> but we cut to a diner and I guess... <laughs> I guess he, Steve is still at lunch. Yeah. Dude, I was like, what the fuck is so, this? So it is 12 o'clock. Yeah. It's <laughs> noon, I told you. I 1 p.m. Yeah. I was thinking about them eating like gruel or whatever at the fucking camp. And he's at and a he's diner. And he's like, um, I'm sorry, but uh, what cut of steak do you use for this omelet? <laughs> Shouldn't he be working? You got two weeks yeah. or whatever. No, but now he has them to work. Fuck this guy. But Sandy, played by Sally Ann Golden, waits on Steve as what and i always have the captions on when i watch these i laughed out loud because mm. the captions called the music country flavored pop music <laughs> 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 that genuinely sounds like some stupid shit i would say it just made me laugh flavored flavored but sandy tells him that he can't go back out there right now but steve's like i have to he says he has six new counselors who he describes as babes in the woods and he's like i've been gone for 13 hours <laughs> <laughs> i need to get back like she reminded him <laughs> that he yeah. bought a can oh fuck, oh, fuck. <laughs> But Sandy says they'll be fine as long as they've got enough sense to come in out of the rain. <laughs> you mm. know. But Steve pays for his meal two twenty-five. God damn. Yeah. He pays. Can't even three... get a cup of coffee for two twenty-five. No, he gives her three bucks and tells her to keep the change. Which on a two twenty-five bill, it's like okay, big baller. <laughs> but he puts his raincoat on and takes off. So we like him again now. Right. <laughs> now dips well. Steve's cool. But he navigates down the road, passing a sign that announces that he'll be at Camp Crystal Lake in twelve miles. Back in the bathroom cabin, Brenda is brushing her teeth. And I mean, that's dedication mm-hmm. to still be trudging out to brush your yeah. teeth oh, yeah. in this fucking. But I'm like, my bathroom is connected to my bedroom. And still sometimes I'm like, bitch, just get up and do it. OK, <laughs> but we see a hand pull the curtain to one of the showers open just a little bit. She brushes her hair and hears the weird sound that Marcy had heard. She gathers her things, still constantly glancing over towards the showers, but then goes back out into the rain. And I'm like, okay, Brenda. She's yeah. not like, hello. Like, I, I, yeah. I appreciated that. I'm glad that she didn't fall for She's it. She's like, absolutely I was like, not. Oh, thank God. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and whoever the killer is has dedication as well because they're just out in the rain yeah. this yes. whole time. Right, please come over here. <laughs> Gotta make that noise again. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. It's wet as fuck out yeah. here. <laughs> But outside, we see Steve pulled over and trying to start his Jeep, but the engine is struggling and he can't get it going. A police car pulls up and Steve rushes over to it. Inside, Sergeant Tierney, played by Ron Carroll, is happy to give him a ride. Steve says it's because of the trailer he's hauling and he'll just get one of the counselors to bring him back to get it in the morning. He gets in and they take off. We cut to Brenda's cabin and we watch from the trees and even pull some to the side again. Yeah. We're just like, I need a better look yeah. at everything. 
We watch Brenda inside her cabin and she lights a candle and gets into bed to read. As soon as she settles in, we hear a child's voice faintly call out, Mm -hmm. which is rude. She just fucking got comfortable. But (laughs) the voice is like, help me. And she keeps reading. But when she hears it again, she gets out of bed. And I'm like, is someone watching The Fly out there? I was like, (laughs) I literally wrote, is this a crossover with The Fly? (laughs) But the thing is, to me, is that something we'll learn later, I think Brenda should be spared. You're fucking right. Right? You're totally right. You've passed. For me, I was like, this was just, I don't want to say lazy on the killer's part, but like you were able to lure everybody else into your trap, but Brenda was like, fuck that noise, and you're like, help! (laughs) (laughs) That's some weak sauce, man. I mean, it's just not fair. But she steps out into the rain and calls out and immediately the voice answers that they're over here and begs for someone to come and help them. Brenda runs toward the voice, getting completely soaked. The voice continues to call out to her and she follows into the trees. Swinging her flashlight back and forth, she makes her way to the archery range. Suddenly, we see a hand flip a switch and all the lights come on, illuminating Brenda and the entire range. She's angry now and says that this is enough. She looks afraid and we cut away as we hear her scream. Mm -hmm. Did they not have the money to film? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) I thought it was very strange. Also very similar to something that happens on sleepaway camp. True. Yes. So. Back in Alice's cabin, she starts to tend to the fire and is startled when the door like bursts open. But it's just Bill who has gone (laughs) checking on the generator. Bill's like, it's windy as hell out there. (laughs) (laughs) Alice tells him that she thinks she heard a scream and it sounded like Brenda. She says that someone turned on the lights at the archery range, but they're off now. She could see that from her cabin. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because fucking Brenda had to hike through the scraggly woods. <laughs> well, their cabins, oh, yeah. their you know? cabins are across the grounds from oh, each other. Oh, well, yeah. fair enough. Brenda was like, or no, Alice was like, can I get the cabin on the archery <laughs> range, please? I'm going to be doing a lot of archery. <laughs> Bill says that he'll go check it out. And when Alice asks to come with him, he says yes. They go to Brenda's cabin. But when they find it empty, Alice says Brenda must be with Jack and Marcy. She's not so sure, though, when Bill finds a bloody axe tucked into Brenda's bed. Yeah, when did that axe fall asleep? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Brenda's a fucking axe now. Yeah, it's crazy, man. This is what what they said about the curse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was some supernatural shit now. But they run back outside. They go to Jack's cabin, but when they find it empty, they go to the bathroom cabin. And when that's empty, Alice is like, maybe we should call someone. They head to the main office and Alice breaks the glass so that they can get inside. When they try the phone, they find it dead. We hear them try the pay phone, but we pan over the side of the cabin to see that the phone lines have been cut. Mm-hmm. Was that just cinematography or was that the killer like, and look what yeah. I did? <laughs> like, I don't know. Nice try, kids. <laughs> we cut to Bill and Alice trying to drive away from the camp, yeah. which I'm like, yes. Yes. The engine stalls and they get out to check under the hood. When Alice asks what's wrong, Bill literally gives the same answer that I would have, (laughs) which it's wet. I don't know. (laughs) Do you know how mad I got hearing that? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, same, Bill. Same. You can never drive in the rain. It's wet. Wow. (laughs) That's your... (laughs) I don't know. I got a little wet. You have the fucking... The hood why, open. Why yeah. did you then even why, open? Yeah, why did you open it? Then? It's like, oh shit, I forgot cars yeah. can't get wet on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> We're stranded. 
I do want to say, I don't know when these cliches became cliches, but I thought it was very funny to find the phone lines cut and the car won't start. Right yeah. Oh, of course. Back yeah. to back. I love it. But Alice suggests that they just hike out of the area. But Bill says that Steve will be back soon and they can just use his Jeep to go for help. He reassures her that there will be a reasonable explanation for everything. And they'll all be laughing about this tomorrow. Hmm. They head back toward the camp to get out of the rain. In the cop car, Sergeant Tierney remarks that if it wasn't bad enough that it's Friday the 13th, it's also a full moon, which means more rapes, robberies, and murders. More of everything because the full moon makes people crazy. Werewolf attacks. Yeah, thank, yeah. <laughs> thank you, Sergeant. But Steve doesn't buy into any of it. Sergeant Tierney tells him that Ralph was over at the camp, but they got him home to his wife. Wedding ring. Oh, but yeah. good point. So that's point. why I was like, hmm, but also Ralph's now married? it was Ralph. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that was my question. You're telling me I can't, but fucking Ralph? <laughs> I, I need to give me a bike. Yeah. <laughs> but what kind of relationship is this? I'm not letting John Paul grab teenagers and go to camp and be like, it's a blood curse. Yeah. I'd be like, well, you're staying home. Time out, because what if when he gets home, she's like, did you warn the teenagers? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, hell yeah. I they were made for each other. Yeah. She bought him that bike. Enos chased yeah. me away, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. But the radio cuts in, alerting the sergeant of a head-on collision with possible fatalities. He switches on his lights and promptly lets Steve the fuck out to head toward the emergency. <laughs> Steve makes his way back to the camp, but once he reaches the welcome sign, someone is standing behind it, shining a bright light into his face. He asks who is there and finally greets them, and that's when I was like, oh, it's you. What are you yeah. so happy about? Dude, that killed me. Goes, it's like, oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> he says oh hi what are you doing out in this mess which i mean maybe cheesy as fuck but i love when whodunits do this <laughs> yeah and it's like oh it's you what are you no <laughs> but we stare at him head on as he seems to be stabbed in the stomach mm -hmm. we cut to the killer's point of view as we approach a door that reads danger high voltage and we open the door and go inside we just like move yeah. on we're moving on it cuts to a wide shot of the camp and we see all the lights go off immediately. Back in Alice's cabin, Bill gets two lanterns lit, guessing that the generator is just out of gas. He leaves a lantern with Alice saying he's going to go check it out. And when she asks if he wants her to go with him, we see that she's literally laying on the couch already half asleep. If we're going to bed anyway, or if it's nighttime, I can go check on the generator in the morning. That's yeah. a really good. You know it's already I mean? dark. Yeah. And everybody's we got fucking missing. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. No. We don't know where anybody's uh -huh. at. We're, we're going to stay here. You're totally yeah. right. I didn't even think of that. Fucking Brenda had a candlestick like Abe Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we got light. Yeah. <laughs> But Bill tells her to stay and just get some rest. He tells her he'll be right back, which if you watch Scream, mm -mm. don't be saying that, before putting on his raincoat and heading outside. We stay with Alice, though, zooming way in on her while she sleeps. And it, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, okay. I don't know either. Bill makes his way to the generator, and once he goes inside, he sees that it's full of gas. There's a moment of misdirection as he tries to find the problem and we creep up behind him thinking we're in the killer's point mm -hmm. of view. Mm -hmm. But when he turns, no one's there. And I was like, phew. Yeah. <laughs> so who are we? Yeah, Steve will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but back in Alice's cabin, she wakes up screaming for Bill. But when she sees the lantern, she remembers that he went to go check on the generator. But she goes to the kitchen and sets some water to boil and sets up two cups of instant coffee for her and Bill, which is sweet, but instant mm. coffee. Yeah, yeah, I know. You can do better. I'm not even mad because I had to drink instant yeah. coffee when I was gone. What's right. your issue? It was the one scoop. 
That's what you're giving me. It's brown water. (laughs) Yeah. I look. I do want to say everybody knows how much I love coffee. Right. But this is tedious as fuck. Like they go through the entire, it's like a YouTube, like how to video, how to fucking make coffee. They're like, and then you'll need the sugar. Oh shit. I forgot the cream. Let me go get the cream. Like she does everything. I thought the same thing though. When Bill is checking the gas in the generator, cause he opens the thing and he looks inside and then he searches for the little stick and then he puts the stick in. I'm like, Oh fucking okay, dude. Like now when you're checking a generator, is this fucking wiki? How, what the shit? But we do get a moment of tension, like you said, when she goes into the pantry, but then she just comes back out with sugar without incident. She puts the sugar in the cups and just continues to wait for Bill. She's like, how does Bill take it? Oh, yeah. Three lumps. And we see each lump. It's like, come on. What's going on outside? (laughs) She got bored, too, because we cut to her outside walking through the forest and calling after Bill. She finds his raincoat where he dropped it on the floor of the generator room and his lantern is still hanging where he's left it, but he is nowhere in sight. She leaves the room and closes the door behind her to find Bill hanging off the back of the door with arrows shot through his face and body and he is dead. Wouldn't wouldn't you be like, this fucking door is heavy as fuck? Yeah. 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 Well, again, the logistics of this don't make any goddamn sense. With what we learn later, was he jumping? (laughs) 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 The killer scared him. He's like, ah! He was like, maybe there's more gas on top of the door. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing here. Oh, no. I just don't get it. I read that the what something that Tom Savini used on his face burned the shit out of one of his eyes. Uh-huh. And so in the scene, his eyes twitching like crazy because he's being <laughs> fucking burned. And oh, damn. Yeah. yeah, they're probably like, can you do it one more time? <laughs> <laughs> but Alice screams and runs and the music again goes crazy. I read that Manfredini didn't want any music unless the killer was around. Hmm. Ah. which if you watch it like that it is very interesting i feel like that's a really fucking cool touch you know come that's true it yeah, is that's that why is. in this in the back half it's like constant and at the beginning there's really all not right, it's so right. sporadically placed i thought that was pretty genius except that banjo except yeah. <laughs> the banjo but alice runs back to her cabin and although she's still sobbing she thinks quickly when the door doesn't have a lock on it, she ties a rope to a support beam in the ceiling and the other end to the knob, and she closes the curtains on the windows. Now, if that was a wiki how on how to make a cup of coffee, this is a wiki how <laughs> yeah. on how to barricade a door. I swear to God. <laughs> and she, like, I literally couldn't believe it. You see her grab each item. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, damn, how much I'll are you going to put chair. by that door? <laughs> I'll use this chair also. Yeah. Now, here's the trunk. Mm-hmm. It's like, lady, okay. I now, think one of them falls. Doesn't she pick it yeah, back up? She does. No, no. You go there. Make make sure sure your trunk is sturdy. (laughs) (laughs) But finally, she grabs a bat and heads to the kitchen. Once there, she arms herself with a large serving fork. And when she goes to close the curtain, she hears a noise. When she realizes it was just an animal outside, (laughs) she finally relaxes and leans against the fridge and is like, what am I going to do now? But just then something is thrown through the window next to her. As it lands, we see that it's Brenda's dead body, bloody and wrapped in rope. And I did read, I don't know if this is true, Mm -hmm. but I read that when it crashes through the window, it's actually Tom Savini. (laughs) (laughs) Why? I don't know, but I feel like this should literally be like Tom Savini's Friday the 13th. Yeah, he's like, no, I'll do that. I'll go through the window, it's fine. You know what I just realized? The door opens out, so that barricade stuff isn't doing shit. Oh, 
Uh, I killer. guess they can trip over The killer it. just know. steps over. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah, what? <laughs> Is she stupid? Yeah, jeez. <laughs> oh, my God. But screaming and crying, Alice crawls past her friend's body and back into the living room. She sees headlights through the window and peeks out to see a Jeep coming mm. toward the cabin. It's Steve. We're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. He's done with his late lunch. Wouldn't it? <laughs> Very late lunch. Uh, Lupper, if you will. Right. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't it make sense? I never said supper in my life. I said. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's winner. a Um, Wouldn't it make more sense for Brenda to have arrows in her body instead of Bill? Yeah. yeah. Like, what the fuck? Uh, I didn't even think about that. I didn't either. She's literally at the. I don't know, yeah. man. They're just running out of it. They're like, and then fucking arrows into Billa yeah. and then nail him arrows to a door. Arrows everywhere. Arrows Na- everywhere. Dude, nail him to like a door, almost like Bob on the wall with Michael Myers in Halloween. Well, <laughs> <laughs> she takes away her barricade and unties the rope, opens the door and runs outside calling for Steve. But y'all, instead of Steve, hmm. a woman gets out of what? the Jeep and smiles at Alice. In a very comfortable looking sweater. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> fucking cozy sweater. When Alice asks who she is, she explains that she's Mrs. Voorhees, an old friend of the Christie's. Mrs. Pamela Voorhees is played by Betsy Palmer. Relieved, Alice rushes into her arms and Mrs. Voorhees hugs her, but is quickly like, you need to chill. (laughs) (laughs) Alice sobs about everyone being dead and Mrs. Voorhees asks her to show her, saying it's okay, she used to work for the Christie's. And it's like, You said that already. She says that Alice is only upset because of the storm. She goes inside to take a look, but Alice stops. You don't even know me. (laughs) (laughs) Marcy was afraid of storms, not me. She's like, I'm a meteorologist. (laughs) I live for this shit. But Alice stops her saying that they'll kill her too. But Mrs. Voorhees is like, I ain't scared of shit, son, and walks straight into the cabin. I wonder why. And so, yeah, like she's brave yeah. as fuck, right? Mm-hmm. Weird. Um, inside, she sees Brenda's body on the floor of the kitchen. She remarks that Brenda was so young and pretty and asks what monster could have done this. But like, she's super chill. Yeah. But she's also chewing the scenery quite heavily. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, you blew it up. (laughs) It's a lot. Alice says that Bill is outside and Mrs. Voorhees dramatically leans against the doorframe saying there's been so much trouble at this place. Steve never should have opened it back up. See, that's what I'm talking about. In, (laughs) In fact, did she know that a young boy drowned just the year before the two counselors were murdered? What? (laughs) (laughs) the counselors weren't paying any attention because they were too busy making love while he drowned and i had to giggle at making love yeah they were fucking clapping cheeks they were making love well in all fairness oh well yeah no (laughs) (laughs) that's true but (laughs) she's got a sweeter sensibility yeah all right look at the sweater look at the sweater but the Friday the 13th sounds, you know, the, uh-huh. the they start when Mrs. Voorhees reveals that the boy's name was Jason. What? Yeah. Jason. <laughs> Jason. She says that she was working that day. She was a cook back then. And she crosses over to Alice and grabs her by the shoulder, saying that Jason should have been watched every minute because he wasn't a very good swimmer. She Why'd said, you send him to camp? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you were working here you weren't watching him either exactly you're fucking you're working on the chili maybe you should have (laughs) check around the lake she says that they can leave now but alice says she wants to wait for steve mrs Voorhees says they don't need to and alice tells her that she doesn't understand 
Mrs. Voorhees looks out into the distance and we see images of a child flailing in the water calling, help, help, mommy, help. Mrs. Voorhees goes, I am, Jason. I am. (laughs) Finally, the fucking other shoe drops. She says that she is Jason's mother and today is his birthday. (laughs) (laughs) He just nodded like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's his fucking birthday, Uh y'all. Alice asks where Steve is, and Mrs. Voorhees tells her that she simply couldn't let this place open back up again, not after what happened. She muses about her only child, her sweet, innocent Jason, as we get images of him flailing in the water. She turns on Alice, though. You let him drown. You weren't paying attention. Ma'am, I I was not born. This is 1957. (laughs) (laughs) She tells Alice to look what she did as she keeps going toward her. Now, one thing you need to know about Mrs. Voorhees is that she always keeps that thing on her. (laughs) She fucking pulls a knife from her hip and comes toward Alice screaming. She's like JP. Yeah. Now I immediately fell in love from with that Jason's mom. mom. You're yeah. like, I'm down and with yeah, this lady. I was like, this is great. So I, I did have a couple of things here. The first one is I did look it up, and June 13th in 1958 and 1980 was a Friday. Oh. So, well, but we don't get a year. No, we don't. No. I don't think it was a Friday in 2021. No, it was not, because that's when apparently this film took place. <laughs> but the other thing is she has a memory of watching him drown. Yeah. So, like, so in the air tonight, Phil Collins, <laughs> who is Mrs. Voorhees in that song? <laughs> that's what I'm asking. Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of how this is. You could have rescued me yeah. from drowning. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 2021. She's heard both songs. Yeah. <laughs> you should know better, man. Mm-hmm. But Alice hits Mrs. Voorhees with the fire poker and Mrs. Voorhees goes down. Alice runs from the cabin. She gets inside the Jeep. But she sees Annie's bloody body and screams running away. I'm sorry if this is insensitive, but I'd be like, Annie looks like we're going for a fucking ride. Oh, yeah. no, yeah. You are not. That is not going to stop me from taking that fucking car. We're friends. Oh, no. Annie, scoot over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where you can ride you're, away with me. You're yeah. fucking co-pilot, yeah. okay? <laughs> but she runs toward the forest, but Steve's body falls in front of her, hanging upside down in the trees, and she screams again. This is when I'm like, is fucking mrs Voorhees, arnold schwarzenegger yeah. like this is the strongest bitch on the planet <laughs> hey i can't uh, lift that fucking man up into a tree well you're not a 52 year old woman <laughs> <laughs> you're right i'll be stronger yeah. then nay grow up <laughs> eat your vegetables but i haven't had the time to wait right. you're right god damn it i do want to point out that the body swings just like bob's body on halloween from uh. the closet but they they never saw halloween i don't think so. no it's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and <laughs> yeah. Rob Zombie. And a certain musician. Because yeah. <laughs> we go back to Rob Zombie a little too often. But we see Mrs. Voorhees stand up inside the cabin, just looking annoyed after being yeah. fucking hit with the fire poker. <laughs> and she goes outside in search for Alice. And she sees Alice running into the woods. She speaks to herself in a child's voice. Kill her, mommy. Kill her. I'm like, oh, this bitch is fucking rocked. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, I'm like, I hope you kill her. Get yeah. her. That it's weird because I had these moments. I don't know if it's because I'm a parent now, but I had these moments where she's, I mean, in a minute, she's going to be chasing her in the woods. And I'm like, fucking get, get that bitch. Yeah. She had nothing to do with anything. No, she, no, yeah. not, she was I not fucking alive. She wasn't born. And I'm like, get her, Mrs. Yeah. Voorhees. So when she started doing the voice, I was like, you know, I 
don't I'm gonna go out on a limb. I don't think she's I think she's unwell. <laughs> I don't think you're well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have you talked to someone, man? Yeah. But she keeps telling herself, Don't let her get away, mommy. Don't let her live. And in her normal voice, she's like, I won't, Jason. Yeah. I won't let her get away. She fucking schmeagle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the precious get away, mommy. <laughs> they lets me drown, sis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my fucking head is gonna explode. Oh my god. <laughs> but <laughs> Alice runs into a garage like maintenance area. She finds a gun, but struggles trying to find any bullets. She finds a locked drawer and tries to break it with the butt of the rifle. But that's hard to do because like she's hitting everything but the lock. So (laughs) Of course, it's not going to break. Since she's making all the noise in the fucking world, Mrs. Voorhees walks in. Alice drops to a knee and points the gun at her. But Mrs. Voorhees just calmly tells her to give it up. It's going to be much easier for her than it was for Jason. She starts with her killer mommy shit and then a fight ensues. (laughs) When she finally gets Alice, she just starts slapping the shit out of her before throwing her through a table. I did see on that documentary, Betsy Palmer was talking about how she came from a theater background. Mm -hmm. And because of that, she said when you used to slap people on stage, you needed the sound, you needed the motion. So you just fucking slap people. And so (laughs) when they started this fight, she literally really slapped her in the face. And Adrian King was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Sean Cunningham had to come over and be like, we don't do that here. We don't actually fuck each other up. This is the theater. (laughs) (laughs) But Alice is able to get the gun and hits Mrs. Voorhees in the face with the butt of it, causing her to fall back and giving Alice enough time to run. Stunned, Mrs. Voorhees just gets back up and goes after her. In her pursuit, she runs past a table outside, but... Once she goes past, we see Alice stand up from behind it and run back in the direction they came. We cut to Mrs. Voorhees continuing to say, get her, mommy. There's no place for her to hide. (laughs) And repeating, kill her, kill her, over and over again while we see Alice run. She runs back to her cabin, turns all the lights off, and locks herself in the pantry. The lights, okay. First of all, she cut the power. Yes. Number one. Number two, if the lights were on, wouldn't you leave them on? Because now she knows you've been in here. Right. Yeah. But the light shouldn't be on. No. Yeah, I I had the same thought. You should have a candlestick that you're blowing out. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a brief second of calm before we hear Mrs. Voorhees enter the cabin and just start wrecking shit. (laughs) She turns on the light to the kitchen. That's why they had the lights because we wouldn't have this moment. Oh, right. And Alice cowers. After the noises stop, we see the doorknob turn above Alice's head. When the door is found to be locked, Mrs. Voorhees breaks it down. She comes after Alice with a fucking machete, mm-hmm. but Alice hits her in the face with a pan. And she's quite clumsy for yeah. having killed all these motherfuckers with zero issue this entire film. Mm-hmm. Well, she hasn't faced off against the final girl yet. Yeah. I mean, wow. Alice did keep her clothes on. Yeah, so <laughs> it gives her super strength. <laughs> Mrs. Voorhees goes down and Alice nudges her over to reveal blood behind her head. Alice fucking takes off. Outside, Alice sits down next to a boat at the dock and we see her reflection in the water. Suddenly, the theme begins again and we see Mrs. Voorhees' shadow behind her. Another fight ensues, resulting in Mrs. Voorhees on top of Alice. And this bitch fights dirty. (laughs) She's biting. She's shoving her face (laughs) in the fucking sand. (laughs) 
the fight in general is just kind of hilarious yeah. <laughs> to watch. I don't know why, but watching this like middle-aged lady beat the shit out of this counselor yeah. is fucking her up. goddamn hilarious to me. But when Alice is finally able to scramble away, she grabs Mrs. Voorhees' machete and cleanly fucking decapitates her. Mrs. Voorhees' hands clench and unclench, and then she just fucking goes down. A calm piano begins to play as Alice pulls one of the boats into the water and gets on and floats off into the darkness. Now, very quickly, I did see that Tom Savini did the chop. Uh, <laughs> he, did. he did everything he was also the head no <laughs> it's ridiculous he was busy he that, was. i like that though that oh. looked really cool oh, yeah it really the did. hand still moving yes. and then yeah and poor mrs Voorhees, man yeah i mean now granted not 100 like percent of what she did well, i was gonna no, say like we I talked mean, about in audition yeah. yeah we're not gonna sit here and justify everything the woman did However, all I'm saying is, sis, I see you (laughs) and I understand. (laughs) But in the morning, the piano continues as we find Alice asleep in the boat in the middle of the lake. We get peaceful shots of the water and finally see a police car with its lights on pull up to the lake. One of the officers comes up to the water and calls out, but we can't hear anything but that peaceful piano. Mm -hmm. In the boat, Alice raises her head to look over at him. Her nightmare is finally over. I do want to point out while her nightmare is currently over, the shot of the boat, yeah, and the music accompanied, mm-hmm. yeah, it is gorgeous. It's yeah. beautiful. Totally agree. Suddenly, though, <laughs> <laughs> the music takes a sharp turn as Jason himself, mm-hmm. played by Ari Lehman, <laughs> launches himself out of the water and grabs onto Alice. She screams as she is pulled over, turning the boat. And then we just focus again on the calm water. I did read that Cunningham wanted his son to play Jason and Mm. his wife was like, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I read that because we see that Jason, I believe, has a hydrocephalic head. Right. Mm -hmm. And whenever Victor Miller saw that, he's like, I didn't fucking write that. He's like, why does why does he have that? Yeah. And the producer said, well, we had Tom Savini. Might as well use Tom Savini. <laughs> and- <laughs> Tom Savini, do whatever the fuck exactly. you want. Do whatever so- you want. I read that he was so proud of Jason, Tom Savini was, yeah. that when this was in theaters, he would go in the last five minutes of the film just to sit and watch everyone's uh-huh. reaction when Jason came out of the water. But we cut to Alice waking up screaming in a hospital and she's reassured by a doctor played by Ken L. Parker that everything is over now. Sergeant Tierney tells her that her parents are coming for her. Alice asks if everyone else is dead and Sergeant Tierney is like, yeah. (laughs) He says that they pulled her out of the lake, sure that she was also dead. Alice asks about Jason if he's dead too. He doesn't know what she's talking about, but she clarifies the one who attacked her and pulled her into the water. Sergeant Tierney tells her that they didn't find any boy. And Alice is like, then he's still out there. We get a close up (laughs) shot of her face that gives way to the calm water of the lake as that beautiful piano plays. And then it fades to black. I just want to point out very quickly before we get into our thoughts and feelings Uh that this ending was admittedly stolen from Brian De Palma's Carrie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they admitted it. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> you have to love how transparent they were. I appreciate but their honesty. Brian yeah. De Palma <laughs> even was cool about it. He was like, no, it was good. I saw it coming, yeah. but it was good. <laughs> I did want to say, like, uh, with that shot and the music again as it ends over the shot of that lake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I am wondering if it's supposed to break my heart or like how am I supposed to feel? <laughs> See, okay, I, I'm glad because you know, yeah. I, I wrote that too. I was like, so am I supposed to be sad? Yeah. I don't understand yeah. what I'm, what's happening. It's uh, it's very confusing as as to what I'm supposed to be feeling. But I do want to point out that this music, which is done by Harry Manfredini, it sounds strikingly similar to Laura Palmer's theme from Twin Peaks that's done by Angelo Badalamenti. Yeah, um, I have gotten a lot of shit on Twitter from our friends recently for having never seen Twin Peaks. Right. So I didn't know this from experience, but you did send it to me and it's the same song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, like, I, the second the credits started, I was like, now hold on. <laughs> no, it was, it was the same thing. Yeah, I think Twin Peaks is like 10 years after this. Right. I'll have to show you off mic, but oh, you're going to be like, man. that's the same fucking song. <laughs> no, it's a lot. Um, I love both. Yeah. Yeah. Since we couldn't talk about Betsy Palmer till the very end, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to break the stride of the fucking craziness that right. is the last piece of this film, <laughs> uh, I have a couple things that I wanted to say about her mm-hmm. that obviously I couldn't say before. When she read this script, she said that it was a piece of shit. Yeah. Wow. She did. And f- <laughs> finally, I guess she worked 10 days and got paid $1,000 uh-huh. a day, mm-hmm. and she needed a new car. So that's the only reason that she did it. <laughs> She said straight up in an interview, she was like, look, I was trying to shed like my this girl next door image that I had as an actress. Uh And she said, and then also my Mercedes broke down (laughs) on the Connecticut Turnpike. She was not eaten by wolves. (laughs) (laughs) The the mention of a Connecticut Turnpike fills me with dread immediately. (laughs) But she said she did say she's like, this script was a piece of shit. Yeah. But she said that it it'll be one of those movies that i'm in it'll come and go and i'll have my shirako wow and i was like god damn i mean i hope she bought her shirako i I also read that she had wanted to be in the diner Uh at the beginning when annie comes in oh she was like can i just can i just be there and and be like oh hi or something like so that like we talked about and i know what you did last summer the Mm -hmm. reveal isn't oh Okay, who the fuck is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? And they said no. Why couldn't she have been the woman that said camp blood? No, I or the, I, the lady next to her or something. Anything. Yeah, yeah, Cunningham. I don't know if it was Cunningham or if it was Victor Miller, but they were like, no. She we've mentioned the child drowning and right. it needs to be you don't know what the fuck is going on until the end. But then stop giving us red herrings, I think. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that would have been really cool to rewatch this and be like, oh my God, she's she's right there. Yeah, I live for shit like that. Mm-hmm. And also, okay, let me just ask because we're getting into a whole thing. <laughs> what did you guys think of Friday the 13th? <laughs> you, uh, you, were, you were a mid-fucking sentence. I'll but, back to it. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go first, T? Oh, uh, sure. Uh, I, I think in line with what you're saying, with the red herrings, when it comes to whodunits in slashers, I enjoy the ones where you go back and see them planting the For seeds. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is one seed here, and it's Enos saying, hey, a boy drowned in 57. Drowned. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. But that's not enough for me to make uh, Jason's mother being the killer satisfying. Right. As surprising okay, as it okay. probably was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not. But I mean, I, I think that this is a fun watch. For sure. I think mm-hmm. that it's nowhere near my favorite slasher, but I see how if you watch this as a kid, like us, 
with Halloween, it kind of sticks to your bones. For mm-hmm. sure, yeah. And then it becomes something of a comfort film for you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. The way that Halloween is for us, I could see this very, very easily being that for a lot of people. Um, I didn't mind the movie. Mm-hmm. I did like it. Like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, there's questions, you know? Yeah. yeah, there is. It's just, it was um, like how quickly it gets dark, the time, <laughs> the you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And then did we really need like Jason? Like, does this, is this a Jason movie? I feel like, and I, uh, to a conversation that we had off mic, I feel like if you would have made this one and left it at that, it would be fine. Yeah. yeah. The thing about continuing on is that how the fuck is Jason even alive? Right. Logically. Well, I do want to say that when they approached about doing a sequel, uh-huh. Cunningham was like, absolutely not. How? Well, yeah. The only time he said that the only time we see Jason is as a figment of someone's imagination. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he's like, "How the fuck? How? No." And then that's when Steve Miner picked it up. So oh. I bet Cunningham kicked himself after. Yeah. Well, I I read that he said that he was wrong that it couldn't become a franchise. But the thing I is, mean, is he that he was wrong, but he's also right. It's a com- right. it's a completely different thing. It is. Yeah. You know, this is a story about revenge and like a mother's love. Yeah. That's it. it becomes a slasher franchise as opposed to, I guess, like a. Because there's a human story there, uh-huh. even if it's a slasher yeah. as well. Right. But later, it kind of u- loses that humanity, yeah. I think. Right. not. I haven't seen very many, I will say that. No, yeah. I just, it's... And then you saying that, I didn't even think about that. So this isn't even what we know what Jason looks like. This is just what she dreamt right. of what he yeah. looked right. like. But it becomes what he is. Right. Yeah. Somehow. But so- how do how did she know what he looked like? She never saw him. Yeah. Right. So no. she okay. went back in time. That, that was my question because the way that Sergeant Tyranny's like, we pulled you out of the lake. We thought you were dead. He didn't say she was in a boat. So yeah. I'm like, did Jason really pull her over? And then they were just able to save her. Right. But then even Cunningham is like, no, he was imaginary. And I'm so I'm yeah. like, I don't know what the fuck to think. I don't know what to think. No. No. And so, but he's been a child for at least 20 years living yeah. in the lake. Oh, I mean, yeah. his spirit, because right. he's still a little boy. Yeah. And then he's this fucking big ass jacked dude later uh-huh. on. So I, I will say, and then I'll let you, I'll, no, I'm going to let no, you finish. No. Um, I went on record. I think we all kind of did on uh-huh. the Patreon as Jason being our least favorite right, of the big right. baddies. And maybe I'm just not as familiar with his films as I am with the other ones. Right. And so I am going to go into the rest of the, the franchise with an open mind. Uh-huh. But sitting where I'm sitting right now, I got a l- <laughs> lot of fucking questions. <laughs> I got a lot of questions. Yeah. No, I mean, which you should, because this yeah. movie yeah. doesn't give you very many answers. And I will admit hmm. that a whole her killer mommy or whatever. That's if I, if you're oh, attacking yeah. me and saying that I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. you know oh, I mean? I'm oh, about to yeah, die. Yeah. You're fucking crazy. I'm mm-hmm. about to die. I have to kill you. <laughs> um, you forced me. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> what choice yeah. do you have? But no, I, I, I do. I did enjoy the movie and I do recommend it, but I do feel like this should have been a standalone film. Yeah. Because it, it has nothing to do with Jason. I mean, yeah, it's, I guess, an origin story. But why did you go b- this far back? Like, I mean, <laughs> like he's like in the movie, he's dead. You want me to tell you how I think they could have solved this entire thing? Please. I think that if 
in the sequels and on, uh-huh. it had been Jason's father instead of oh, Jason that, doing the killings. Okay, that makes can sense. I tell you something crazy that I was thinking? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Ralph is Jason's dad. Oh, shit. How good would that be? That's oh, perfect. How wow. good would that be? I'm just saying. He said he was married, etc. Yeah. I'm just saying. That's a good point, That's too. That's the fan fiction writer in me. <laughs> right. But what if, though? Yeah. I feel like, because, I mean, I don't know how they bring Jason back in the sequels. Is it supernatural means? Did he never die? And he's like fucking right. the dude from Castaway. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know. So uh, it, it, it seems odd. You had said off mic, Nay, that... If they didn't find Jason's body, his mother would say they never found him. Yeah, not right. he drowned. You know, so this yeah. is what happens when you retcon a film to make a franchise. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, is it my turn now? Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really liked this. Um, I yeah. mean, we we joked about it and we talked a lot of shit, but it's a lot of fun. It's mm-hmm. it's I feel like it's a good slasher. That's where it gets confusing to me because I know what this franchise becomes right. and I'm just like, how sway? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I can't judge this movie on what happens in the future right. because when this was made, Jason, that's not what Jason was. No. Right. Right. Um, I, I did want to point out that Victor Miller himself, who wrote this film says that he hates Jason in the sequels because he said, Jason's not a killer. He's a victim. Yeah. yeah. It's like he was a boy who drowned. He's not this fucking beefy dude that can fucking yeah, that's why I'm like, jam he, a machete yeah. into you. Yeah. I'm, it's confusing. Like I was saying about Mrs. Voorhees before I was like, well, let's close this out. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Victor Miller wrote the script in two weeks. Wow. And, you know, if you're adding scenes about fucking killing snakes yeah. and you're showing us <laughs> Kevin Bacon's ass and shit, yeah. <laughs> I really wish he would have been more flexible about adding Mrs. Voorhees, you know, just like little breadcrumbs earlier yeah. on. Yeah, there was I read and I don't know if this if this was in the script or if it was an idea that they had later. But in that first scene when she gets Claudette and um, what's his name? Barry or something. Yeah. We was just she fooling. Was, we were yeah. just fooling around. <laughs> she was supposed to get her finger cut off. Hmm. And so when she gets out of the Jeep to console Alice, you see that she's missing a finger. Oh. And that's when you're like, fuck. Or maybe in all those shots where she's moving trees and shit, you yeah. see a missing, you know. But then they, they couldn't effectively pull it off with effects. So they were just like, no, nah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just feel like there, there was... I don't know. I feel like they could have done a little bit more than her because with her, because that's a really great. Also, right. she was almost played by Estelle Parsons, <laughs> a.k.a. fucking Bev from Roseanne. What? Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine? But her manager was like, you don't need to be doing yeah. this. <laughs> it's like, but you don't need a car. I, yeah. <laughs> I would have actually kind of loved to see yeah, that. Yeah, me too. But um, and going with that two week script situation, mm-hmm. he wanted to invert the psycho situation yeah so you go from son mother to mother son so again (laughs) he's like i'll just be taking this (laughs) i don't know i i i really like this i just feel i feel like what is casting a shadow over it for me is being so confused how you got from this to where we go yeah Yeah. and that's not fair so i'm really gonna try to stop looking at it through that lens i know that 
Siskel fucking hated it. He did. He really wrote a fucking. He, he wrote a blog about it. He, <laughs> <laughs> he gave it zero stars. Stop. Listen, wait. He gave it zero stars, spoiled the fucking ending, mm-hmm. and then published wow. Betsy Palmer's address so that people could write her and ask what the fuck that was. Get out of here. He said, basically, how dare you tarnish your reputation and called on people to write her at her house. Can you believe? Now, you, it's not that bad. No. Come it's not on. bad it's at not all. Bad. No, but I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. not like the way he's saying. Not to inspire yeah. that. I, I just, I can't. I did read that he published the wrong address, though. <laughs> so she never got a letter. But on he, purpose? On accident, he published you the wrong address. You motherfucker. Yeah. You piece of shit. I mean, again, <laughs> you know what they say, Nay? Speak ill of the dead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> God damn it. Um, one we more, can't stop. I can't. I'm an asshole. <laughs> one more thing before we go on to ratings, though. I'm not super familiar with the sequels, and right. I'm not gonna sit here and spoil anything I do know about part two. Mm-hmm. But Alice was supposed to be like the Laurie Strode final girl that's gonna carry oh, us through wow. this franchise, and that doesn't end up happening because after this original film, somebody fucking stalked her. To the point where she was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Get out of here. Yes. And so she's barely in part two because she was like, I'll do it, but as little as possible. So fuck you, whoever fucking did that to that woman, because that is really. Yeah. And I don't care if you're dead. Fuck you. Fuck you. Speak (laughs) ill of the dead. Speak ill of the fucking dead. (laughs) But I guess we can go on to ratings. Uh That's fair. There's a lot of, of good here. And I don't know what is so great about a a camp slasher. I mean, this is a conversation for another day, but the three of us watched uh, the second part of Fear Street a couple days ago. And um, well, if you're part of the Patreon, you get talk mortem and you uh, get to hear us talk about it. We Mm -hmm. we were. Yeah, we do talk mortem every month. And we were asked our thoughts on the series, which will be over by our next episode. And. Yeah, I guess we'll kind of air our grievances there, yeah. but I was I really... I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping for more something like this. Yes. Right. Um, Because I do love a good camp slasher. Yeah. Like, who doesn't, right? So, I mean, I've said my, my issues with <laughs> yeah. it. We don't need to get back into it. I will, like, double down that I fucking love the whole you fucked with my child now and it's misdirected because none of these kids did that let's be clear but i'm here for the revenge story (laughs) i almost wish that we could have seen this bitch hunting these people down in 58 that would have been that would have been fun i think that would have been almost like an anti-hero story at that point yeah these are the fuckers that did it yeah so these people are like who are you again it, it (laughs) it is a lot scarier that you know we had nothing to do with this dude you know what yeah. i realized as well is the camp counselors in 58 were probably her co-workers you're right oh yeah you're right so that's so, even okay why this, didn't we just watch that, that hold film? on yeah, hold on no, oh yeah no shit the, i'm assuming by enos saying you know he's gonna end up like his parents that his parents owned crystal right. lake yeah um originally wouldn't steve know this woman's <laughs> horrible past and he's yeah. still like oh hey like what are you yeah. doing your girl like, oh, hey, yeah. the grounds where your son died <laughs> <laughs> isn't that funny fancy meeting you here i mean that was a really really weird reaction yeah. from him but um, you should have been like oh, oh shit. i'm sorry i'm opening back up and then he's dead um 
But yeah, this movie's a lot of fun. If you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a while, which I hadn't, like you said, John Paul, this was almost a fresh rewatch yeah. for me because it's been so long. It's a lot of fun. It's not perfect. Mm -mm. The story's not perfect. But I mean, they admitted as they were making it that this was literally meant to be a cash grab. Uh -huh. And so for a cash grab, two week script, no idea except for the title. This is a fucking good <laughs> yeah. movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I'm, I'm just going to keep fucking rambling about Friday the 13th. So <laughs> on a scale from one to 10 copulating camp counselors. <laughs> <laughs> They were showing each other the I, flesh, man. They were showing each other the flesh. I am going to give Friday the 13th 7 out of 10 copulating camp counselors. They're both nodding, and I don't yeah. know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to open up the floor. I agree with everything that both of you guys have said, mm. and I feel the same way. My thing is just um, I don't mind Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, but this isn't a Jason movie. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? It's a Mrs. Voorhees movie. It mm -hmm. is. But I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know where this fits in. With Somebody should have told uh, Drew Barrymore that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. She might, her and Steve yeah. Orth Poor might still. Steven Orth. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, but like you said, babe, it's, it's, I like the movie mm -hmm. and yeah. it, it is fun and it's not perfect, but I mean, that's the charm. Yeah, oh, for sure. The kills are great. Mm -hmm. I mean, fucking Tom Savini. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, know you, I mean? you expect nothing less. Yeah. And uh, I just it's it, overall, I do feel the same way. If you haven't seen it, watch it. If you haven't seen it in a long time, watch it. And even if you've seen it recently, watch it again. Yeah, it's yeah. still fun. Like it, yeah, it's watch a it good again. movie. Hmm. But it is it is the water is a little muddy now seeing how we get from this mm -hmm. to Jason in space. That's the journey. It's a line, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's it's a it's yeah. a straight line. Yeah. I don't know how you're not seeing it. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Yeah. But uh on a scale of one to ten copulating camp counselors, I also am gonna give <laughs> Friday the thirteenth seven get out counselors showing the flesh <laughs> <laughs> t so i did my positives negatives thing yeah. again All your right. compliment sandwich exactly yeah. <laughs> so again like i said it's a very fun watch mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um positives i want to really highlight like you said the kills yeah they're fantastic yeah tom savini knows what he's doing mm -hmm. hell yeah i think the twist is interesting even if it's kind of underwhelming right. and very psycho adjacent. It is. I love the twist though. Yeah. yeah. The only the only thing that hurts it for me is that I've never seen this bitch in my yeah. life. Yeah. She should have been in the <laughs> She should have and that was her idea. That's a great idea. It's yeah. so good. But uh the music Yeah. It's <laughs> so good. It's fantastic. Now to my negatives. Now <laughs> I feel like you said like three things. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> I don't want to give the impression that I don't like this movie because I do like this right. movie. It's just funnier to set up the negatives that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the characters are very bare. Yeah, like they're they're uh, archetypes. Yeah, they're tropes. Yeah, and anything we do learn about them, like Alice drawing, it's like that was just a throwaway. Uh huh. Nobody actually gives a shit. No. Yeah. I thought she was gonna somehow draw her way out of this, but. <laughs> Fucking Corman's calamity. <laughs> <laughs> That's three times. I know we can't stop. 
<laughs> but I, I think that because of that situation with not knowing who she is, the twist lacks the punch. Yeah. Show me more of Mrs. Voorhees something somehow. Yeah. But I do have to call it out for being quite derivative. And, and admittedly so. And it, I'm a, I appreciate their honesty in admitting derivative. it. Derivative. Yeah. Derivative. <laughs> the odd collector. <laughs> <laughs> But the one of the biggest things that gets me is there is just so much wasted time. Yeah. Like <laughs> they were padding. Oh, yeah. They were. They were Paddington Bear in this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason that I nodded my head whenever you gave your score is because I was between two numbers. Mm-hmm. And talking about the film, really what pushes it forward for me is the effects of the time mm-hmm. yeah. and the fact that this really did give birth to that new brand of slashers. For sure. Where they used to more rely heavily on suspense. Now we're talking more about kills and gore. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's a variety. While I personally prefer the more suspenseful right. slasher, I respect and I have reverence for the things that made the new brand res- possible. Definitely. Right. And it's in that, and then, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, it's not the same feeling, but it's fun. It's oh, a, yeah. It's a ton of fun. Yeah. But that leads me to my score. So out of 10 copulating camp counselors, I will be joining the group hey. <laughs> in giving Friday the 13th seven copulating camp counselors out of 10. Ding, 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 ding. All right. We've done it. Jackpot. <laughs> I do want to say, though, that I, I know... A lot of shit has been spoken right. Right. on this show. Nothing but respect for the film itself and its place in horror history. Yeah. Of course. And I do want to say, along with you, I can't wait to dive into these sequels. Yeah, d- I, I'm very excited to get into it. Um, Our friend Spooky Mom was saying on the Patreon that her favorite part is four. Mm. And I'm like, I've never, like, now yeah. I just want to get to four. You're like, there's four of these motherfuckers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a lot. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm excited to go through, genuinely. Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Friday the 13th and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, when you don't take your responsibilities seriously, you may end up drowning in the consequences. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for our special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. I don't know why yeah, like, no, no. <laughs> You really dragged that I out a little bit. I was trying to be dramatic. It's like jazz. It's the words you don't say. Wendigo Getter. <laughs> no, but seriously, thank you all. Yes, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. <laughs> a special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Husden, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent and Allison O'Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Jacob Tyler, Carissa, TJ Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, and Antonio Huerta. Thank you all so much.
Yes. Yeah. Thank, thank, thank you, Q. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I gotta say, thank y'all for sticking it out with us because this one was a mother. Because <laughs> uh, Miss Voorhees, she, right? She was Jason's mom and the killer right. in the film. Right. Big twist. All right. <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, rest in peace to the Camp Crystal Snake. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real victim of That's the film. That's the real victim. Until next time. <laughs>